Our scripture reading today is Psalm 32. This is the word of God. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. The children are now dismissed for Children's Church. We thank the Lord for our children. They are a blessing from God himself. And there is a duty amongst us as members of CCPC to continue to pray and nurture our children. We are a family of God. And together, together, brothers and sisters, we seek the health, the spiritual health of everyone. Good morning. Why don't you look around one more time, say hello to each other. It's good to see all of you here today. We continue our series on Christ in the Psalms, and our title today is The Root of All Our Troubles. I think one of the most difficult tasks that the modern person has is to relate our individual struggles and troubles with God himself. Now let me explain that. We are all people who have issues with ourselves. Some of us are prone to be a little bit more blue or depressed in our lives. Some of us understand that we are a little bit more caustic in the way that we relate to others. Some of us know that we have dreams of becoming a certain type of person or to attain to a certain type of relationship. 
And in so doing, as we try to attain these things, we, we feel stressed. We feel the weight of the pursuit. And oftentimes we turn to the Lord and we say, Lord, help me. I need your help. And we turn to God primarily as a counselor, as someone who's able to hear our plight and to help us. Now that is scriptural. And God enjoys when his children come to him with every trouble and every struggle. But a disconnect has happened within modern Christianity because we also understand and know that we are sinners before the Lord and that we come before him to ask for forgiveness of our sins. And so we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And we receive that forgiveness from God. But then there's a disconnect. How does forgiveness of sins, of being forgiven by God, how does that connect with our everyday struggles with him? In other words, when you are relating with the Lord and you're in prayer with the Lord, do you see your prayers segmented in such a way that it's just for discontinuity? You go to the Lord and you go, Lord, forgive me my sins. And then you're done with this over here. Okay, now it's time to ask God to help me with all my struggles and all my troubles. And in between, there's this, there's this jump that you're making back and forth. And you're asking yourself the question, how do they relate to one another? And if we separate those things too much, what happens, and when I, what I've seen happen in modern Christianity, is that the aspect of forgiveness of sins gets lost because our hearts immediately go to our, our felt needs. And our prayers become prayers of what is immediate in our lives. And if and when we do ask God for forgiveness of sins, we do so in a matter that's more perfunctory or even cursory. It is why here at CCPC, you know, when we have this worship service, we have a time for this call to repentance. And oftentimes for a lot of people when they come, they're like, this just seems perfunctory. And this just seems something that we, we do because it's something that we need to do. Let's get to the meat. Let's get to reading scripture. Let's get to uh, the, the message today. But the Bible teaches something very profound and very different. That the connection between these two are the utmost important for the vitality of the Christian life. For without understanding that we are forgiven of our sins, the true power to ask God to help us in our present time of need well, turns to a self-centeredness and a powerlessness and even a hopelessness 
And so today what I would like for us to do is to go through the psalm and ask God, God, how must I relate with you that I may have power in my life? The psalmist starts out with two general statements in verse 1 and 2. These blessed statements, blessed or good fortune, or the man with uh, uh, the man or woman with with all the, the treasures, blessed, is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord courts counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. And the psalmist puts it out there, front and center, for his hearers to hear. We go before God saying that the blessed person is the one who's been forgiven of their sins. The blessed person is the one whose sins are covered, whose transgressions are not counted against them. Blessed is the man who's in their spirit, there's no more deceit. They understand and they know that they have wronged the living God and that God is there to forgive them. Statement of fact, that this is where blessedness comes from. Now the psalmist is coming from a covenantal perspective or from a Christian perspective or a God-centered perspective first. And so he's talking to you who know God. And he wants your heart and our hearts to say, Amen. This is the truest of true statements. More than the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. More than two plus two equals four. The truest statement is that blessed is he, blessed is the person who has been forgiven. Now for those of us here who have come to know the Lord, verse 3 and verse 4 will sound very familiar to you. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You see, with that statement of fact, this will color the rest of the Psalms. The, the psalmist understands something, that when you have come to know the Lord, and the Lord has a hold on you, when you understand that you have been forgiven of your sins, and that your relationship with God is the most important thing with God, you understand that when there is unrepentant sin, or when you know that you've walked in such a way that is not in line with what the Lord wants in your life, when you know in your heart, and we've all done this, that there's a sins that you hold on to, there's, there's, uh, there, there's hatred you hold on to, that you know that you need to confess, but you do not want to confess. that this is what happens. Your body starts to waste away. Your heart starts 
to harden. You become bitter, angry. Your life becomes that of one that's slowly, slowly dying in God and dying in your vigor as well. God says to us that, that this is a truism for all of us. The psalmist goes on to say in verse four, 5 and 6, that he acknowledges my, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave my iniquity of, of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. And so he calls to the believer, the Christian, Surely if you confess your sins, God will forgive you. Surely if you confess your grudges, your hatred, your anger, God will forgive you. Surely God will restore the health in your bones if you confess your sins, God will forgive you. Now, from this point on in verse 8 through 11, and this is when the psalmist goes on to talk about, not about confessing sins, but about asking God for wisdom, asking God for his comfort for his consult, asking God to help in times of trouble, asking God to, to uh, help me in choosing to go path one or path two. We're over here now. But there's a connection between the two. And the connection has to do with our relationship with God. Now, there's many different ways of understanding what sin is. The, the, the most sort of... Um, accessible way for many of us here is the legal aspect of things, right? It's like we've sinned and transgressed the Ten Commandments. Since we transgressed the law, we need to be forgiven of that law. And once we're forgiven of that law, then we're in right standing before God himself, and we, can, we, we understand that we, we belong to him. Now, many of us here well, I shouldn't say many of us, I should say all of us here. We live in the world of, of legalism. Now, things are changing, and, you know, talk with Christy a little bit about the, the work culture and how things have changed here and there. But for the most part, when you go to work, you have to do X, Y, and Z. If you don't perform X, Y, and Z, you don't get paid. Or at the very least, you get reprimanded. You go to work and they say do X, Y, and Z. You can't just go in and go, you know what, today, uh, I'll do it a little bit later. That's okay. My work people, they're great people. They'll let me do whatever I want. They'll still pay me. No one's going to pay you. X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C. Many of us grew up this way as well. Our parents tell us you need to do A, B, and C 
in order to become the person that you need to be. And so when we hear the fact that Jesus has forgiven us, a lot of us have that paradigm in, in mind that I'm going to be forgiven and accepted. And no matter what I do, I will be in relationship with the Lord. I no longer need to perform before God. I no longer need to perform before people. And praise be to the Lord for that. But there's another, another aspect of understanding our relationship with God or how God has brought us to us or how God has redeemed us. Not only the legal or the, or the judicial, but more importantly, what underlines, what underlay, un, underlines all of that, and that's simply our relationship with our God. That when we are forgiven by the Lord himself, we are restored into fellowship with him. And when we are restored into fellowship with our Father, our Father changes our thinking and, and, and understanding of what our of what the of how we should live changes our desires in such a way that we want to be more like our father and not like sort of what we sort of desire in our hearts and our mentality changes in terms of what type of counsel we want our mentality changes in terms of what type of answers that we want and this is where the connection happens because your heart changes into being, into desiring to be like God himself. And not simply saying, God, forgive me for X, Y, and Z and let me go on my way. And do what I desire to do. But the relationship that God brings you into with him gives you desire to Love your, love your Father in heaven and enjoy him. Now, I do have an analogy, and I know it falls short, but I, I hope that you can at least hear the, the emotional impact of this analogy. Um, yesterday, I had, the, I had the privilege of officiating a wedding. And one of the things I love about weddings, I mean, I like the wedding itself, I love meeting the families. Do you know why? Because when I meet the parents and I meet their siblings, it completes the picture. I understand the groom like like a hundred percent more. I mean, it just increases my knowledge of that person. Ah, oh, this is why he's like this. This is why he deals with stress like this. Ah, oh, this is why he's always angry. Or this is why he, you know, opens the fridge three or four times to see if there's any food inside, you know. And you, you, meet, you, and you meet the bride's family. Like, oh, that's, you know, that's why, like, her expression of love is that way. Or that's why she's always sad all the time. But this is why she gets offended by this. And you start to have a, a more complete picture of that person. Now, for most of us, we, we understand that in psychology, and it goes a little bit too far, but still, that we are formed by our, our parental relationships. And if you go to most psychologists, the first thing they'll ask you is like, just what was your childhood like? How'd you grow up? What were the things that were valued in your family? 
How did your parents express love? What were the dynamics like? How, how did you guys communicate and deal with uh, conflict? And most of us as just normal people who if you desire to change, you will go back and you will visit that and you'll say, I need to understand my relationship with my parents in order for me to understand who I am. It's a big part of that. There is a huge sense that we as God's children, that our desire is to go back and to see what do we do in our relationship with the Lord that has made us who we are? Why do I have the struggles do I have as a person created in God's image? Why is it that it's so hard for me to be at peace with myself? And scripture gives the, the reasons. Like you sinned against God. Your earthly parents, they did their best, but in the grand scheme of things, in terms of perfection, well, they're, they're evil, as, as Jesus says in Matthew, in comparison to, to God himself who is perfect. God who made you, God who loved you. But here's the interesting thing, and, and again, these, this is not the greatest analogy, but I just hope you feel the more, more emotional impact of this, is that if you get older as a person, like most of you are, and you start to realize my mom and dad are the only mom and dad I have. Not only are you going to try to understand who you are, but you will go back and say, mom, dad, how can we build a relationship? That shows love. I do not want to sort of just look at your, my relationship with mom and dad and say, okay, I figured out what's wrong with me. Mom, dad, you go that way, I go this way. But it's more like, mom, dad, you're part of my life. How can we make this work in a way that I can grow to be like you, to grow beyond what you what you have taught me to understand my strengths and weaknesses. But the level of this is so much different with God, is it not? Because God is the perfect father who's loved you perfectly. Because he's forgiven you for everything. Because you know that's all one-sided and yet the Lord loves you. Your desire now is to, to be like the father. It's like, God, I want to be like you. I want to walk like you. I want to do your will in all things. And in fact, when we start to understand that, our prayers change. Oftentimes when we come to the Lord in prayer, we pray to simply lift our burdens to God. But if you only pray that way, then it's still just a one-way relationship. Because when you pray to the Lord, not only do you give your burden to God, but God should give you a godly burden for his will, a godly burden to be more like your father, a godly desire to have a life that reflects his glory.
And this is where the, the rest of the psalm changes for us. Because the psalmist understands that once I know that I'm forgiven and with the Lord, then verse 7, verse 10, 7 through 10 makes sense. Lord, because I want to be like you and you are here in my presence, you're my hiding place. I know that you will preserve me from all trouble. I know that you will surround me with shouts of deliverance. I know that your counsel will be with me. I'll no longer be like a, a stupid horse or a stupid mule without understanding, for I know the purposes of, my, of, of your will, and I know the purposes of how I can stay in your will. Those who do not know you, the wicked, they will only have sorrow upon sorrow in their lives. Now the beauty of this psalm is that this psalm has been fulfilled in Christ himself. That Christ himself, when he died on that cross, he paid for our unrighteousness, for our sins, completely, once and for all. Praise God, we do not have to offer more sacrifices anymore. That would be a lot more work for me. You guys have, a, we'd have to have more staff just to do that. But we are forgiven once and for all in Christ himself. But not only that, but you are closer to God than David was when he wrote this psalm. David wrote this psalm longing to be close to God. You write, you are able to recite this psalm knowing that you are close to God. It's like someone who writes a poem longing to have a spouse and someone actually writing a poem after having a spouse, after being married. The Spirit lives in you. And that Spirit combines all of the benefits that God has given you on the cross. You're justified by faith. God is changing you day in and day out. You're called sons and daughters. And wrapped into that is the fact that you are now ever close to Him. So when you recite the psalm, you recite it in Christ. You recite it as a Christian. You recite it as someone who knows God himself. Lastly, let me give you sort of a, an example of perhaps how this will work in your very life. And I'm going to make it a little bit more generic, but I do hope that you can see here... Um, at least one example of the process of how it is, to, how, how we can make this prayer ours. I remember, I always go back to college days because it's easier that way for all of us because we've, most of us here have gone through that situation. I remember this one college student and his desire was just singular, 
to singular. He wanted to be a physician, not surprisingly. And day in and day out, all he did was study, because he wasn't the best student, but he was very studious. And I remember sharing with him and saying, you know, um, you need to find time with God. And he said to me, okay, um, Sundays, I'll give Sundays to God. But the rest of the days I'll try, but I need to study. And I said, okay, I'll take, okay, we'll, we'll work with that for now. We'll work with that for now. He took the MCATs. He did not score well. He took them again. He did not score well again. He still applied to med school, but he didn't even get a first interview. And this was late in his senior year. And we had this conversation. And he said to me, why is God not near? Why is God not answering my prayers? Why does not God hear my heart? Why isn't God helping me? I am struggling. I am depressed. I feel like I'm losing everything. I just listened. couple of weeks later, something happened in him that I still, it's, it's an utter miracle. And this is why the prayer of a Christian is different from any other prayer that any other person could ever make. He came to me one day and he said, I've sinned against God. I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I go, I have sinned against him. And I'm struggling. And, he's, and I asked him, how are you, explain, how are you struggling? He goes, I'm struggling because I realized that being a doctor is more important to me than being a child of God. And I said, well, What's, what, what happened to you? He goes, I, I don't know. He's like, just the Lord just opened my eyes. But he said, young, it's hard. Every day, every night, my prayers are with tears. Because all I'm doing is I'm asking God, God, help me not to want to be a doctor so badly. Help me to want to be more like you more than I want to be a doctor. My confession, Young, is I want to be a doctor more than I want to be with Jesus. And, and I finally realized that. And I need God's help. That's my sin. And I was like, ah, you're getting healthy, aren't you? Your bones have stopped to decay. You're asking right counsel from the Lord. 
And the Lord will change things up for you that you may find the right path for you, whatever it may be. Your prayers have changed from simply, God, forgive me my sins and then let me do what I want or help me with the things I'm suffering with to, Lord, forgive me of my sins and give me a vision of what my life needs to be like with you because I want to be like you. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happened to him afterwards. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that his vision for knowing God and loving God and being like God has become primary in his life. I dare say for all of you, if you haven't had that struggle in your life, of asking God, God, forgive me for wanting this more than you and help me. You will. (laughs) This psalm answers the question of how we confess and how we seek counsel from our God himself. As we sang in our Song of Assurance, our God will hold us fast. How good is our Lord Jesus? How good it is to know that when we come to him and he changes our hearts, when he gives us a burden that's bigger than the things of this world, that there's nothing less than joy, perfect joy, that he gives to his children. Let us pray. Lord, there is no one like you. And we confess, Lord, that we have forgotten how to confess our sins. We have forgotten what it was to connect, Lord, our relationship with you, with burdens, Lord, that are godly, and burdens, Lord, that seek to be close to you. Father, in many ways, we have been giving just lip service, asking for forgiveness and then living our lives. And that disconnect, Lord God, wow, because you are kind and gentle, because you are jealous and love us so much, you make our bodies to rot until we come back to you. And we thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, when you open our eyes to see that we belong to you and that we need you and that you are here to provide everything for us. This is where we find life. This is where we find direction. And we thank you, Lord, that in your grace and your mercy, Lord, that you never tire of doing this for your children. Never. Never. 
And so, Lord, help us here as just individual brothers, individual children of God, and then help us as a church, as as CCPC, help the the marriages, the families, the, the friendships that are here. Help us all to labor in such a way that we can joyfully, freely, without second thought, naturally, just confess our sins. And speak of the burdens that we have for your kingdom. For ourselves, for our marriages, for our families, for our friends, for our church. Lord, we thank you. For we know that you are at work here. And that you will indeed accomplish all that is good for us and all that gives you glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.